It is so incredibly good to be together like this on Easter Sunday morning. Scattered all around West Michigan and Grand Rapids. It's good to be in the house of Jesus all together with other believers. Um, listen, I want to uh, acknowledge in the room there's some of you guys who are here for the first time. There's some of you guys who are here maybe because there was a lunch invitation extended to you afterwards and that's what kind of brought you here. Uh, there's some of you that uh, I want to recognize that maybe we haven't seen around in a little bit and uh, it wasn't since like at last Easter that you were at this church or maybe just any church. And for those of you who, who are just dropping in on Easter, I want to say welcome like, we're so, we're so sincerely glad that you are joining us here at Encounter. Like, this is such an incredible thing that you would choose to spend your Easter Sunday morning in our presence. It's so good, and it's so honoring for me. So I just want to say welcome. Sometimes what the church does and what maybe we've got a reputation of doing is falling into this, like, guilt-driven pattern of behavior, right? Like this arm-twisting thing, or the, you should do this, and you should do more of that, or you shouldn't do so much of this. And I just want to clear something up. That's not our story, right? That's not us. It's not a guilt-driven story. It's a grace-driven story. We have, we have the best story in the history of the world. And it's a story of liberation. It's a story of freedom. It's a story of grace. I saw this advertisement, this billboard a little while ago that said, don't make grandma cry. Go to church. And I was like, yeah, but it's not our story, right? That's not our thing. It's not a guilt-based thing. It's a grace-based thing. And I need to preach that to myself every once in a while and be reminded for myself. Uh, a little while earlier this week, I think my wife could see that I was starting to get like a little bit stressed about it, like how to capture this story on Easter, right? Like so well, how not to, you know, diminish away from it at all, right? And, and, and how to do that, how to do that well. And so she says, uh, Dirk, I can see that you're stressed. So I just want to tell you, like, don't worry about it. Don't be stressed about it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> she goes, don't worry. Don't try to be funny or don't try to be intellectual. Just be yourself. <laughs> Thanks, dear. So I, it's not funny. It's not intellectual. It's just all we've got right now. We jump into the story. We let that, we let that gonna shine for itself. Uh, but this morning I do. I want to frame it for us. And I want to frame it this way. It's just sometimes you come across uh, something that's so big, that the upside potential is so huge, the reward is so grand, that you can't help but look into it just a little, just to do yourself the favor and find out whether or not it's true. Because the upside, the reward, is just that big. Uh, just for, for an example, um, several years ago, my wife got a job. We lived in Grand Rapids. She got a job in Ann Arbor, which is a commute that I like to remind her you can see from space, like on the mitten, all the way across, one, one side to the other. And so we got this, uh, this little turbo diesel commuter car to go kind of back and forth, right? And in one year, we put 50,000 miles onto this car. Everything was broken on it, right? It was a broken windshield, check engine light was on, broken air conditioner. The, so much coffee was spilled on the passenger side that the heated seat no longer heated. It just didn't work. Don't push the button. You might get electrocuted. <laughs> Nothing worked on this thing. And then we get this notice in the mail that says, hey, manufacturer, I'm so sorry, but... Uh, we're going we're gonna to offer to buy back that vehicle from you. Even though everything is broken on it, we're going to buy it back for significantly more money than you bought it for a year ago. And it's like, it, the story, yes, thank you. The story <laughs> is so, like, it's so preposterous, but the upside potential on this thing is so big that I can't help but look into it to see if maybe I could get not only a new car, but a better car with the money that was given back, even though everything was broken on it. And some of you have had that kind of experience. You go to work, and you get a phone call, like a recruiter on the other end. And they're saying, listen, with your experience, skill set, degree, whatever, there's a job for you that's more money, it's better work-life balance, it's more vacation. The upside potential, the reward, is just so big, even though you weren't looking and you had no interest in moving on and moving out, the reward is so big, you have to do yourself the favor and just look into it this much. You could imagine if you get a call or text or something from a radio station or whatever that says, listen, listen, you won backstage passes, a meet and greet on the Eras Tour with Taylor Swift. You owe it to yourself to look into it. If not, call me. I'll look into it. I'm not ashamed. It's amazing. 
And that's what we're doing this morning. The story that we're going to hear is so grand, is so huge. The upside potential. Think about the fact that there could be at the center of the universe a God who is madly in love with you, that he would enter the world that he made. They would kill him and throw him out, but he would do all of that. He would die so that you could live. And not only live forever, ever in heaven with him someday, but also start to live and really live right here, starting now. The upside reward of a story like that is so big. Do yourself the favor and look into it. But I gotta be honest, it's also kind of a preposterous story, isn't it? I mean, you open up the whole story, and some of you have had the experience, and this is what maybe drove you away in the first place, because you open it up, and it's like the first couple of pages in Genesis, there's a talking snake. A uh, couple more pages, and, uh, and the whole world is flooded. The desert is flooded. Animals, all of them, two by two in a, in a boat in the desert. And you're like, I don't know about this thing. Y- you make it like halfway through, and there's a fish that swallows a man whole, and he lives alive inside for three days before being spit up. And you're going, I don't know if I can believe a story like that. And you're tempted to think like, well, if I believe in this story, the whole thing, then I guess I have to just chuck reason, check reason at the door. Just chuck it out. And I want to offer to you the opposite of that. I want to offer you today, this morning, that the upside of this story is so huge, you have the, you have the responsibility to yourself. You owe it to yourself to check it out. And I want to offer that you don't have to check reason at the door. But in fact, a faith without reason is probably a faith that's not going to last for very long. So let's check out the story together. Let's check out what everything hinges on in this story. Let's start off in... Uh, and the story told to us from Mark, chapter 16. We're a phone-friendly church, so you can follow along if you like, but the words are going to be on the, on the screen. Um, we read from Mark. His name is John Mark. But remember, uh, John Mark was writing down the story told to us from a friend of his named Peter who's in a dungeon in Rome. And he's like just about to die for these beliefs, for these convictions that he has. And he's going, I've shared this story, I've preached this story countless times to villages and towns, synagogues, open air squares. And now I just got to preach it one more time. I got to tell you this story one more time, not to an audience of hundreds, but just to one, his friend, John Mark. John Mark, would you write down this story as told, the content supplied from Peter? And so Peter starts, and Mark starts writing, Mark 16, verse 1. And we read that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, we got two Marys, two ladies, both women, they bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the next day of the week, just after sunrise, they're on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Like as we're digging into this story, right, it's just... almost comical the fact that the the biggest thing weighing on their hearts was who's gonna roll this stone away like that's the that's the barrier that we're trying to like overcome here you think about who would make up a story like this peter is dictating this to his friend john mark in a prison in rome that he's gonna die for these beliefs and he's writing up the story and he's going yeah the first two witnesses of this whole thing are two women And I recognize that we in the 21st century, we've got a little ways to move towards gender equality. I recognize that 2,000 years ago, these women's testimony did not even count in a court of law. If you're going to make up a story, why start it there with these two women? They're bringing spices to anoint Jesus' body. Um, The spices that they brought, just to keep it from decomposing the the smell. They were in addition to, we read in the previous chapter, 75 pounds of spices that some other people brought. Like, why would you bring so many spices if you expected to find nobody? But these two women, they come. Who's going to roll away? Who's going to roll away the the stone? And they're like, maybe thinking through some of the options and they're going, you think the disciples are going to come with us? You think the, the fellas? No way. Those guys are hiding out. They're terrified. The women are the courageous ones in the story. The disciples, the guys, the capable of doing some of the heavy lifting, they're like off the grid, stealth mode, hiding in an apartment somewhere. The plan is probably to go there and to ask the soldiers who just 
pulled an all-nighter to now, maybe would you guys be so kind to roll away the stone so we could go in and put spices on the body to keep it from smelling and then to put it back before we leave? I mean, they kind of know. It's probably not going to happen, but some of you have been in the valley of the shadow of death. And you have grief. And you know that sometimes, after doing nothing for so long, it feels good just to do something. It's a long shot. It's probably not going to happen. But it's like, I got to get out of the apartment. I got to go for the walk. When the world is collapsing into nothing, I have to do something. So that's the plan. Verse 4. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which is very large, had been rolled away. And then they did something that I would not have the courage to do. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. (laughs) And they were alarmed. That's probably a bit of an understatement. Remember, Peter was in prison when this was writing, so he's just like, get the facts out, just as I recall. (laughs) Verse 6, don't be alarmed, he said. (laughs) Good luck. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Yep. Who was crucified? That's him. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that guy is not doing well. Find Peter right now. (laughs) Not in a great emotional, spiritual place. Find Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you'll see him just as he told you. And Peter wraps it up by telling his friend John Mark, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I just want to ask a rhetorical question one more time. Does a story like that sound like it was made up in order for Peter or Mark or James or John or really the women or anybody else to get something from a story like that? I think it's entirely more possible that when you read the story and you hear words, like they were alarmed, don't be alarmed, they were trembling, they were bewildered, they were afraid, it's entirely possible that even though, even though they loved Jesus, even though they were committed to Jesus, even though they were courageous enough to go visit Jesus' gravesite, they didn't expect a resur- resurrection. In fact, nobody expected nobody Nobody expected. We get it. We get it. We get it. We land that plane. But like, what happened to the body? You know, people, people kind of make some, some guesses out there. People have like, well, maybe the enemies of Jesus took the body, right? Like, just to spike the football in the end zone. Like, hey, we're going we're gonna to run off with the body. And I just, <laughs> I just, I want to submit to you that maybe the crucifixion a couple days earlier was like spiking enough for Jesus, they didn't need to also do this. And also, if they did do this, and the Jesus movement starts to, starts to grow, it starts to take off exponentially, produce the body, right? If everything hinges on just on this sole fact, the resurrection, you just produce the body, and like, that's it. Game over. It's done. He's still dead. He's right there. But they did produce the body because there was no body. He was, Jesus was. Another option, uh, friends took the body. Maybe the disciples kind of snuck in. Uh, outside of the fact that they were terrified, they were alarmed, they were hiding out, maybe they summoned up the courage, they took the body. Yet every single one of them was quickly, willingly to give their life for what they believed in those moments, in an instant. They met Jesus, everything changed. And they were willing to be courageous enough even to the point of death for what they saw. Would you go to your death for something that you knew in your heart of hearts was a fraud? The most ridiculous one, I think, is people suggesting that maybe Jesus wasn't dead on the cross and that the the cool, grave air and the cold slab that they put him on resuscitated him. And it's like resurrection, crucifixion. Uh, Some of you were at our Good Friday experience a little while ago and, and the thought that Jesus could have been beaten to an inch of his life and then for good measure, speared 
stabbed in his side just to make sure that he was dead. And after all of that, they buried him in a grave. Roman expert executioners made sure that he was dead. And then somehow he woke up and had the strength to roll away the stone that the women weren't able to do. And the last option is what if something happened? Something happened. Historically, it seems like something happened. It seems like something happened for a lot of reasons. Something started to change. I mentioned the disciples. They turned around real quick. Something happened in their lives that made everything change, that gave them instantaneous courage. Something happened to make this movement break out and start to take over the entire Roman world. Every road that was built is now traveled on, bringing the gospel of the resurrected Jesus to every end of the earth. Something happened. You get the the Jewish people group that quite possibly, honestly, is probably the most displaced and abused people in the history of humanity, but they survived it all by clinging to their traditions, by clinging to their identity. At the center of it, the Sabbath day observance, Saturday. What makes us unique is that we don't do anything. We rest all day Saturday, and the whole rest of the world thought it was bizarre and thought it was nuts, but this was part of their identity. And this people group abused and displaced over the millennia, over the centuries, this group held on held on through the Sumerians, through the Babylonians, through the Assyrians, through the Greeks, through the Romans, and now, all of a sudden, they switch from going, I'm cool with a worship day on Saturday to now Sunday. Huge numbers of them just like give up and switch. Something must have happened. Soon after the resurrection story, soon after the the something happened, Rome was growing at such a clip that the leaders said, listen, we don't have space. We're like landlocked in this thing. So no longer are you going to be allowed to like bury your deceased under threat of imprisonment or worse. Uh, we're going to insist that you burn the bodies of those, of those that you loved. Except for the Christians in Rome said, actually, this whole thing is kind of built on a resurrection that's sort of a central defining factor of all of it. And so today, underneath the city of Rome, you can tour around and watch as the Christians buried their loved ones hidden away under the threat of imprisonment in the stone carved in there. Because again, remember, everything was built on the resurrection that defined it all. Something happened. And there's a lot more evidence that we could go into, but I just want to clarify something. I guess just for me personally, and you can borrow this if if you like it and if it works for you, go ahead. But just for me personally, I don't read the Bible, I don't believe the whole Bible because I've read it and every part of it makes sense to me. (laughs) Honest confession, huge parts of this thing, still trying to get my mind around. (laughs) That's something that you want to hear from your pastor on Easter, I recognize that. (laughs) Listen, I don't even believe the story because of the historical circumstances because there's more written about Jesus than like any other historical figure in all of human history. I don't believe in the Bible because of some of these things that have, I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus at the center point. I believe in the resurrection story because a man named Matthew was at his tax collector booth and possibly at the lowest point in his life when he was a Jew so the Romans hated him. And the Jews hated him because he sold the Jews out to the Romans. Until Jesus came by when everybody hated him and said, Matthew, would you come and follow me? And Matthew watched him be crucified and he watched him raise again from the dead. I believe because Matthew wrote down the story in the gospel account called Matthew. I believe, not because of all the historical stuff, I believe because Mark sat in a prison, in a dungeon in Nero's Rome and listened as Peter dictated to him everything that he saw. And Peter was ready and willing to die momentarily, any day from that point, but he just needed to do one last thing. He just needed to get this story into as many hands as he possibly could. And so he invited his friend John Mark in to write down the account so that the story would never die. I believe because Luke 
set about to, quote, do a careful investigation, interviews of all of these eyewitnesses, everybody he could find throughout the region, and he records their names, and in some cases, the streets that they could be found on, so that if you don't believe, you could go and just try to track them down. Don't believe me, believe them. Believe all of the other eyewitnesses. I believe because John was possibly Jesus' best friend and spent three years never moving more than a few feet away from Jesus. And when John sat down in old age to make sure this story wouldn't die with him, he started off his gospel by saying, you've got to know about the one who came from heaven to earth to show his love right here and right now and defeated death. I believe because Peter wrote a couple letters to the church urging them to die for what they believed like he was about to do. I believe because of James. (laughs) My very, very favorite and you guys who've been around, you know it's my favorite because I got two older brothers, y'all. James is the kid brother of Jesus and I have two brothers. What would it take for them to convince me that one of them was the son of God? Historically, it's true. James never believed. He never believed in in Jesus' entire earthly ministry. He's like, the miracles are not cutting it. He's like, the healings, I don't know what kind of tricks you're pulling, Jesus, but I've seen you growing up. I'm not in, right? He looks at Jesus because the teachings is not what I'm hanging this whole thing on. The parables, I still don't fully understand. There's a lot of layers to those things too. James never believed except post-resurrection. I think when he saw his brother call his shot to die and then be raised again from the life to life, James is like, I guess I'm in. And then James would also not only become a leader in the church in Jerusalem, he would give his life for what he believed. His brother, half-brother, older brother, the son of God. And Paul, who spent most of his life in the early parts trying to put this church out of business and then met Jesus and immediately did a 180. Your faith doesn't hang on just the simple fact that the Bible was written and later on in the Bible it says that the Bible can be trusted. That's a circular thing. Your faith hangs on today. Your faith hangs on the resurrection. Your faith hangs on these eyewitnesses who say, I saw him. And it doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely preposterous. But listen, the reward, the upside is so incredibly large that I just have to believe And they wrote down their stories. And those stories became the inspired Bible that we know of as today. And if it's still just way too much, I think Peter's there. And he's going, dude, I get it. I get it. I don't believe it either. I didn't. I walked away. It was too much for me. And you know what happened? I met him. <laughs> Jesus said, go ahead and, uh, and meet me in Galilee. And so they did. And I can't prove this. I, I just imagine that when Jesus found Peter fishing, I just imagine it was on the same beach that three years earlier he said, Peter, would you follow me? In a very younger, much more naive Peter said, sure. It's the worst that could happen. And now Jesus and Peter having breakfast post-resurrection on that same beach. Peter's story. I'll tell you what it means. Uh, Two things, really. The first thing that it means, this is the point of everything. This is the point of it all. This is the point of your faith. This is the point of this faith, Christianity, the Jesus movement. This is the point. It's the resurrection is the point. And that's that's good news. That's good news for you. That's good news for you as you've opened up this story and you're like, I got talking snakes. I got giant boats. I got fish that swallow people and they live inside. I don't know. I don't know how to make sense of it all. And I'm not going, yeah, I know. I get that. 
I, I don't know how to make sense of all that either, but I do know that Jesus called his shot, died, and rose again from the dead. And if he could believe, maybe that I could believe too, because a guy who does that, listen, I'll just follow him anywhere. This is good, this is good news, because if that's the point, then you don't need to like totally figure all that other stuff out today, right? If, if that's the point, all the other stuff is like, is like trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, it's difficult, but it's not like world-shaking, right? Like, we can move on from this. You, you get the, if he is, if Jesus is the point, you don't need to figure out, like, how the Cretaceous period, like, factors into the Genesis account. That's not the point. The point is the resurrection. Everything hangs on that. And if you need to make a decision about something, don't start anywhere else. But those accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, and Paul. Don't forget about those women either. And hundreds of others who are eyewitnesses of the account. The point is the resurrection. And the second point along with it is, uh, is Debbie. Um back up slightly. Dr. Gary Habermas is a historian, kind of a skeptic in and of itself, and he decided one day to, to check into this as a historian. It's difficult to believe that Jesus was an entirely fictional character, but the resurrection is the point, and so that's what he said about trying to figure out is the resurrection story. And he looked at all this, and honestly, some of that content is directly from him that I shared a little earlier about moving the Sabbath, the new calendar that came out, the speed of the Jesus movement, all of it. He puts it all together, and he's going, even as a skeptic, as a historian, listen, I'm looking at this thing going, something happened. And I think maybe it was the resurrection. And so Habermas God puts it all together, and he goes, I believed. Yeah? And, and I taught, and I shared as a teacher what I believed. And it didn't really sink in. It didn't really move that 11 inches or so from his brain to his heart until Debbie, his wife, was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, stomach cancer. And the blessing within the curse of the whole thing was that it was so aggressive that there was almost really nothing that anybody could do for her. And so instead of spending her last weeks and months in a hospital away somewhere, she spent those weeks and months at home with her husband. And while she was resting, Gary would head on out to the front porch and just sort of stare off into the nothing, contemplating life, afterlife, and nothing at all. And he goes, his former students would call and they would say two things. First thing, Dr. Habermas, I am so sorry that your wife is now experiencing this. And he said, without fail, they would follow it up with, and Dr. Habermas, aren't you so grateful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he said, for the first time, I was. I was grateful because it moved from my head to my heart and I believed it. Because if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, I knew that Debbie would be too. And I knew that I would see both of them again someday soon. So what about you? What do you believe this Easter? If you're ready, today, we're going to celebrate with a number of people who said, I'm in. I'm ready to show the world I've been raised with Christ. I believe Jesus is the point. And I want to make an invitation to you. If you're ready, we've got a table set up in back. You can just head on back that direction. I'm going to close in prayer. That'd be a perfect time to sneak right out. Just tell your friend, I got to go to the bathroom and just head to the table in the back. It's good. It's good. We've got clothes, we've got photos, team. We've got everything that you need. There's no reason why this day can't be your day to show the world you've been raised with Christ, that you are in. I think John said it best, Jesus', Jesus best friend. He started writing his gospel down, and he said in John 1, verse 12, yet to those who would receive him, those who would believe that he was the son of God, he gave the right to become children of God. It's as easy as one, two, three. Believe. Believe receive 
become. Believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was and he really, truly did die and come back to life. History shows it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they tell it to us. Receive this gift of eternal life. And by the way, an eternal life that doesn't start after you die, a life, a, a life to the fullest that starts today and become a child of God, a child of God, a child that God loves to death and back again to new life. If you're ready to believe, receive, and become during this prayer, I invite you just to head to the table in the back. Let's pray together. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, it's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Day. Jesus, everything in the universe hangs on these holy moments. When we look back 2,000 years ago, and we say something happened that changed the world. And God, we're a part of that change. We're here today. We're, we're sitting in your presence. Spirit, you're speaking into our hearts today, right now. You're asking us to step out, maybe to show the world we've been raised with you, maybe to be bold for the first time in a very long time, in the first time potentially ever. God, I pray for somebody who's, who's asking those questions. There's so much about this faith that it's just absolutely preposterous, Lord. It's almost unfathomable, and we can't wrap our minds around it. But it all hangs on the resurrection. Jesus, your resurrection. God, I pray for the courage for someone to say, yes, I believe. Yes, I receive your gift. Yes, to becoming your adopted son our daughter in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, I want to recognize a couple special stories happening right here in our community. The first one is Olivia. I would love for you to come forward. Olivia reached out and shared her story and then is courageous enough to share her story as well. So I'm going to have you very courageously stand right over here and to share what Jesus is up to in your life, Olivia. All right. My walk with Jesus has been up and down like with many of us. I was raised by atheist parents and was never told about the gospel until I was out of high school. I would mock Christianity, even though I often felt drawn to it. When I was dating my husband, who was raised Christian, his sister shared the gospel with me and I wanted to be saved. I started reading the word, praying, and considered myself a believer. After some time, a lot was distracting me, and I walked far away from Jesus and continued in my life of sin with no repentance or care, like the seed sown on rocky soil. I even denied Jesus was my Savior, a Savior at all. I was very depressed, addicted to marijuana, practicing New Age teachings, and various other harmful things the Lord has now freed me from. After some time of being completely broken, deceived, and lost, the Lord brought me back and opened my eyes with his Holy Spirit and word. Ever since, I've only wanted to live my life for him because I love him so much, and I am nothing without him and his grace. I'm not perfect and will never be perfect, but Jesus is. I want to be baptized today to show that he is my one and only, the Savior of my life, and I am so grateful. All right, you guys. Olivia, I'm going to have you step right up here, sit in the back, and face this direction. And what's going to happen is I'm going to ask you the most important question of your life. And church, I want to encourage you to mark this moment appropriately. When she comes up out of the water to celebrate her new life in Jesus, I want you on your feet and to celebrate with everything you've got. I'm talking to you as well, Fulton Heights, and everybody watching online. Olivia, the most important question of your life is that do you believe that Jesus died so that you could live forever and ever with heaven, in heaven with him someday, but starting life to the fullest right here and right now? What's your answer? Yes. Amen. Olivia, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>
good. So good. Oh, so good. All right, we're going to do some up and downs now. You guys can sit down because we've got to be able to see. I want to invite two more friends to come on up. I want to invite Lucas and his friend Tim to come on forward onto the stage. And I think we've got a crew that's coming along for some support. You guys come on up here. And I'm going to read Lucas's story. This, this courageous young man right here came up uh, after a baptism a couple weeks ago and said, that's me. I'm in. I want to get baptized. And I think it really shocked mom and dad when that happened. But that's all right. Um, I want to share a little bit of Lucas's story here. He said that I shine my light through being kind to others at school and in my neighborhood. God has protected me from being bullied by others. My parents have always showed me how to be a true servant of God through their actions and their own journey and their faith. Also, I found a friend named Tim here at Encounter. And Tim has also helped me grow in my faith. That's Lucas's testimony. Let's celebrate him. Lucas, I'm going to invite you. Oh, yeah, dude. Got to keep those socks dry. I love it. And same routine. Lucas is going to come on right up here. Jump on in over there. You can look this direction. And when he rises to new life, you guys know what to do, right? Amen? Amen. Lucas, the most important question of your life, bud. Do you believe that Jesus died so that you can live forever and ever with him someday? What's your answer, bud? Yes. Amen. I invite you to to plug your nose if you'd like to. Awesome. Lucas, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the Tim and the Lucas story. This is that Tim. I want to invite you to share your story now, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. Happy Easter. I'm Tim Braun. Um, And I just want to acknowledge what brings so many people together, just here, Michigan, and across the world. But it's not about the number. It's about why we come together. My deeper exploration of Christ began when I came to Grand Rapids from Detroit for school. My relationship with Christ is still novel, but one that's growing. As time went by, I was constantly impacted by those who followed God. I saw them work in Him, and the strength, power, and love He showed showed them was compelling. The many loving individuals I now call friends have cultured my relationship with God and opened me to his teachings, knowledge, and love he even has for me. My parents, who are Christians and here today, always wanted me to have agency in big decisions in my life. And from this blessing, I found God for myself. I have found what he can show and provide for me, but also what I can give to him and his kingdom. No thing that I know of has grown and positively affected so many humans like our God does. And it is this that has brought me to be baptized today today and join you all in following Jesus Christ. All right, Tim, I invite you to come on up facing this direction. It's been a journey, man. I'm so proud of you and what Jesus has been up to in your life. And I'm so excited to see what he has in your future. Scoot forward for me just a little. The most important question of your life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago died so that you could live and really, truly live? What's your answer? I do. Tim, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
All right, guys, let's stay up on our feet and let's worship a little bit here together. Jesus is on the move, risen from the grave, overcoming death, and bringing us new life. We've got some more celebrations to come forward. Dom, I want to invite you on up to the stage. He's going to share his story, and we're going to keep this party celebration continue. Dominic, I want to invite you to stand right here and to share what you have prepared for us today. So I actually have a prayer um, that I'd, I'd like to... I'd like you all to pray with me if that's okay. Um, the name of this prayer is, My Story is God's Glory. Thank you, God, for all that you are and everything that you do. I stand before you here today declaring, I am ready to choose you. But before you wash my sins away, this heart you healed has one last thing to say. God, I cursed your name each time I proclaim mine above your own. God, I blamed you when my crooked walls of vanity gave in. God, I blamed you when my ceiling of selfishness caved in. God, I blamed you when the all-too-familiar ground on which I stood, ego, sinned its last sin. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And oh, how I fell. But little did I know that the promise of your love is called eternity. God, I wish to say now what I could not then. God, thank you for it all, even when you let me fall. God, there you were, calling out to me in the deepest pit of the hell I created, your loving arms ready and waiting to be embraced. Long have you awaited. I could not face you then, yet steadfast you remained. Thank you for sharing your grace through your son, Jesus, whose blood that cross stained. God, now with your guidance and protection, I am building a new temple, one with pillars of love, unshakable, one with a firm foundation of faith, unbreakable, 
one with heaven as its roof, so that our praise would reach you with shouts of your glory. God, for those who know your name but do not hear it. God, for those who hear your name but do not know it. I pray that these last words resonate with their souls in an undeniable way. On this day and each day forward, God, I choose you. Lead the way. Amen. 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 All right, come on up these stairs. Have a seat facing that way. He said it's warmer than he thought. I like it. Tom, we've talked a bunch to get to this place. I loved all your questions and I loved hearing how Jesus has been moving in your life and how it all hangs on this question. Do you believe that Jesus died so that you can live and really, really live with him? What's your answer? Amen. Amen. Tom, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. come forward you guys can have a seat Lydia's a little shorter than Dominic so we got to make sure to see and Mr. Zach over here is going to read your story I'm going to invite you to go ahead and get right into that tub all right Lydia said faith in Jesus means that you trust in him and have accepted Jesus into your heart he saves me from sin which is when you do something bad or hurt someone or break the commands he gives I want to get baptized today because I have faith and I think that Jesus is ready and is calling me to do it. Amen. Lydia, I know you're prepared to give Jesus your heart too. So I'm going to ask you that same question I asked all those others. Lydia, do you believe that Jesus died so that you can live forever and ever with him? What's your answer? Yes. Amen. Lydia Hinkle, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rachel, you guys can have a seat. Come on up. Zach's going to read your story. Invite you to move right up these steps as you hear your story read. Rachel says, I'm getting baptized today because I have been lost and have only been going through the motions of being a Christian. Today I want to recommit my life to Jesus. He has always led me back to him. I didn't believe that you knew that today was going to be your day to show the world you've been raised with Christ. And we've known each other for a while. And we're all so proud of you. And we're all cheering you on. Rachel, do you believe that Jesus died so that you could live forever and ever with him? What's your answer? Yes, I do. Amen. Rachel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christy's story. Christy says, when faced with difficult situations recently, I asked friends to pray over me. Through the power of prayer, I felt a closeness to God like I've never felt before. My blinders were lifted and I was able to see the world in a new light. I always believed in God and loved God. I went from knowing God to experiencing a relationship with God. I want to continue to pursue closeness with God for the rest of my life. I hope to step out of my comfort zone and share God's faithfulness with others. And have you scoop forward just a little. Christy, you have been growing so incredibly much these last few months and, and even weeks. 
and we're cheering you on. We're so proud of you. Christy, this is your time to answer that most important question of your life. Do you believe that Jesus died so that you can live forever with him? What's your answer? Yes. Amen. Christy, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. get your story. I'm going to get your story. Hey, you want to let everybody know who you are a little bit while we've got you? Eric Baus. Eric Baus. Uh, Eric here has been a uh, friend of Encounter for only a little while. It's just an incredibly powerful story. Can I sh- I'm going to share a little bit of this if you don't mind. Yeah, good. Uh, he moved here uh, from the east side of the state and found himself uh, in a dark place and alone. He came to encounter, I don't even know why you came to church that first day, but it's fair to say Jesus just grabbed a hold of your heart and of your life. And he has been growing you and stretching you in new and powerful ways ever since. And I'm so proud, Eric, that you decided to make this day your day to show the world you've been raised with him. So come on forward. Hop on in. And I want you to slide forward just a little bit for me. There we go. Awesome, awesome. And Eric, the most important question of your life is that do you believe that Jesus died so that you can live forever and ever with him? Eric, what's your answer? Yes. Amen. Eric, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey church, it's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.